and welcome to Off the Charts, the Sports Info Solutions Football Podcast. We've one of the NFL seasons here, and we're ready to talk all about it. We've got our VP of Football, Matt Menacharian. What's going on? And our football rookie handbook co-author, Nathan Cooper. Hey, how's it going? Nice to be back. We're here to preview the games. In 10 seconds, what's the item you're most looking forward to discussing on this episode? Well, for sure, I'm looking forward to hearing what Nathan thinks about what we should make of Derek Carr, because I think all these years into his career, I don't know if anybody really knows what he is still. I have a pretty uh, interesting story that I'll uh, talk about Derek Carr when we get to it, but I'm excited for uh, football being back. Excited. We got Bucks and and Cowboys tonight, so it'll be an interesting matchup and and a good way to get the season started. On Wednesday, we released our world's number one quarterback rankings on the Sports Info Solutions blog. Those rankings are compiled using a multi-year game-by-game review with points above average as the key stat. Our top six quarterbacks entering the 2021 season are Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, and yes, Derek Carr, who Matt teased earlier. Now, with that in mind, we're taking Deshaun Watson out of the mix for now. He would be in the top six but he's out of the mix due to his current situation. So none of those quarterbacks are going head-to-head this week, but the games they're in are all pretty good. So we're going to look at the Packers, Chiefs, Bucks, Seahawks, Bills, and Raiders matchups. I'll ask a quarterback question to start the discussion, but we'll talk the whole game. All right, let's start with Bucks, cowboys And I want to flash back to something Matt said after week one last season. I thought Tom Brady got hit a lot. I think that uh, we were we were curious and maybe a little bit uh, skeptical about how he would fit in the Bruce Arians offense. And this, I thought, was an example of what could go wrong pretty quickly there. I thought that the, you know, just as we talked about around the league, the quick drops and stuff like that, for the first time in Brady's career, he's out of that quick drop system and he's into something that's more of a drop back game. And you saw him get hit, you saw him get pressured, and you saw an unhappy Tom Brady face. So, Matt, let's start us off. Uh, what should we think about Tom Brady heading into 2021? Is he legit the third best quarterback in the NFL? Well, I mean, you heard the clips. Why are you going to listen to what I have to say? I actually think that uh, I wasn't wrong when I, when I was talking last year. There were a lot of questions in terms of how he was going to fit in, how the whole Bruce Arian scheme was going to merge with what Tom Brady was used to. And it was a real growing process over the course of the season. So I think that's the important lesson there. We don't expect to see any sort of a growing process like that right now. Is he the third best quarterback in the NFL? Define the question a little bit better because, uh, you know, if I'm starting a team today, no way because of his age. But at the same time, like if you just had one game to play, he might be there. Sure. I don't know how you, we can argue against it. You know, as, as much as maybe I want to, uh, until his play falls off a cliff, I, I can't count Brady out. It, it's hard to do that. He just came off a Super Bowl win, you know, with his first year with a new team. And that entire team is basically back as well. It, it's hard to count him out. I will say just as far as that goes, Brady is got one of the best receiving cores in the league. Like it's absolutely ridiculous that like, Antonio Brown and Gronk are like minor roles in their offense. They're great on the offensive line as well. So it's always going to be a bit situational as well, right? He wasn't lighting the world on fire like he did last year at the end of the season when he was with New England a year earlier. So I think we should expect more of the same based on him being in the same system with the same players. But, you know, it's probably a bit of a uh, just stay away from ever criticizing Tom Brady. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, those were that receiving core. I mean, that, the six receivers on, on their team right now, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, and Jalen Darden. Jalen Darden was one of my favorite guys to watch coming into the draft last year. You put the ball in his hands and he's a playmaker, stops on a dime, makes guys miss with regularity. I think he could be a, a guy that steps in and has a big role. The guys that you mentioned, you know, Brown and, and Gronk, it, it's, it's tough to go wrong with those guys. And in another year with these guys, I think is going to be 
icing on the cake for a guy like Brady. Yeah, I love that you bring up guys like like Darden because really as they go through the whole 17-game season, you don't really have to rely on, on the old guys as much. You can have the depth and allow those guys to get their experience, almost treat it more like an NBA team does where then you have your playoff lineups that you kind of get going. So they're, they're in a, a bit of a different situation than most teams in that regard. What's your number one indicator to watch for the Buccaneers this year? The number one indicator to watch for the Buccaneers is, is Tom Brady's health. I, I would say when you look at the Bucs offensively, it's going to be like any team that Brady's ever been on, the ability to keep the quarterback clean. When the Bucs got into trouble last year, and if Tom Brady's ever gotten into trouble in his career, it's because he hasn't been kept clean. They got really good at that towards the end of last year. And then they also had, I think, some, some favorable matchups as far as the way that that went for them as they went and won the Super Bowl. If I'm looking, I'm looking at the, the pressure rate allowed by the Bucs, which, which Brady is naturally going to suppress because of the way he plays getting the ball out of his hands. If they start to try to do more of that seven-step stuff and kind of really start to really push the ball vertically, that's kind of how I think they can open themselves up. If they lose the discipline to kind of keep, keep you know, the, the cliche balance. Yeah, I think Tristan Wirfs is a guy who sort of went unnoticed two years ago. Uh, those top four tackles in the draft, he was the number four tackle that came out of there. And, and I think he could be, you know, the top guy over at right tackle. I, I think he's going to turn into one of the best right tackles in the league. And, and if he hasn't already, um, you know, within these first two couple of seasons. So, yeah, I think keeping Brady healthy is is definitely a, a huge concern and, and a huge issue for, you know, if they're going to be good this year. But I think they have the offensive line to do it. Nate, of those four, I think they were all top 10 guys last year. Would you say, I think Werps probably had the best season out of the four of them, even though he was fourth off the board. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say Werps had the best season for sure. I think some of those, those other guys are good. Uh, I don't think there's any issue with that, but I think Werps was, was the top out of those four. The way uh, Andrew Thomas, I mean, he came into the season, really was in over his head early, got better as the season progressed. I think it'll be really interesting to see if he can make a year one to year two jump. A lot of things have me kind of concerned about the Giants. But I think he actually could be uh, in line to to have a, a a much better second season. Yeah, I agree for sure. All right, can we swing the discussion over to the Cowboys? And what are your thoughts? A lot of people are going to have probably seen the Thursday night game before listening to this. What are your thoughts though on Dak looking ahead to the year? I expect Dak to be Dak. That's really my take on it, though. I think there's a lot of question marks with the healthy offensive line. I think you're going to have a, a quarterback that's going to look like a different guy, even if he's not totally healthy. I agree uh, for sure. Like that, that offensive line, if they stay healthy, that's one of the top offensive lines in football. And I, I think that's huge for Dak. Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CD Lamb. That's a pretty, pretty good trio of receiver as well. When you're looking at Dak, you know, he in 2019, he was top 10 in on target percentage, top five in catchable percentage. He's a guy that he, he can play in this league, even, you know, coming off this injury, you know, assuming that he's going to be fully healthy and everything. He's a guy that's going to, going to pop right back in there and get the Cowboys in contention pretty quick. All right. So bottom line, are the Cowboys going to be a good team this year? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that they're like, like Nathan just said, they're loaded on offense. The receivers that you talk about, those top three receivers, put them up against anybody in the league. The offensive line, if they're back to full health, they're, they are uh, just a terror squad up front. And I think, you know, show me a good offensive line. I'll show you a good offense. Dak's been a top 10 quarterback in this league, assuming he can, can get back to full health. I think that's there. A little bit more questions on the other side of the ball, but I think they should be getting better there. I think that once they sort of got got away from some of those schemes that, that they'd gone down too far into, there's upside there. Drafting the pass rusher, I think, should absolutely help. 
I, I would like them. I'd take them on the over, if that's what you're asking, in terms of uh, would I take the over on nine and a half wins? Absolutely, I would. I think that the rest of the NFC East is weak. I don't trust the Giants. Uh, I don't trust the Eagles. And I certainly would have to say that the Washington football team, despite their rousing seven wins last year and pickup of, of Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's not enough to me to say that you're going to be a favorite against the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. Coop, your take. Yeah, for me, it's it's the NFC East. You play in the NFC East, I think, now with a, a healthy Dak Prescott, the team that they have, everything that Matt just said there, I, I think it's it's easy to say that they, they are the favorites for the NFC East, and I think nine and a half wins, I think, is is definitely attainable for sure. All right, Coop and Matt, both uh, fans of the Cowboys heading into 2021. All right, let's segue to the Super Bowl losing team, Chiefs-Browns. A new look offensive line in front of Patrick Mahomes this year. What will be the key indicators if that line is working well for him? Nathan, start us off. Yeah, we saw what a depleted offensive line looks like against a really good defensive front when we watched the Super Bowl last year. Uh, Mahomes had no time. He was running for his life. He had a he had a rough go of it. Mahomes, obviously, he has an incredible arm, rare improv skills to beat defenses regardless of what he does. But if you give Mahomes time and you put him in the pocket, allow him to read the defense, work through his progressions and find the open receiver, he, he's going to kill you. I really like what the the new look offensive line is for Kansas City. Um, Orlando Brown was a great pickup from from the Ravens. A big guy, moves well. He's tough to go through, um, which which is the kind of guy you want at left tackle. Creed Humphrey was our top rated center going into this last draft. Not the biggest guy, but incredibly strong uh, and a very refined tool set. So I really like him in the middle there. And then it feels like you know three years ago we were talking about Trey Smith as a first round pick. Um, you know, a surefire guy there, a few major injuries later, he falls to the sixth round. And and I think if he stays healthy, then I think he's going to be a guy that can anchor down that guard position for, uh, you know, 10 years. I want to ask a follow up there because you brought up Creed Humphrey and both the Chiefs and the Packers have new centers this year, rookie centers. What should someone who's watching a game be looking for in the performance of the center as they go? Yeah, you're looking for guys that can communicate, uh, communicate within the rest of the offensive line, pointing guys out, guys that aren't getting pushed back into the pocket. Those guys that are that are strong stables in the middle of that offensive line kind of run the show. Like you said, Humphrey and, and Myers for the Packers, two guys that that we had uh, atop the center position going into this draft this last year. Both look to be uh, starters for their NFL teams, and I, I think those are guys that are really going to be stables for for these two uh, two teams for years to come. Yeah, it starts there with what, with what Nathan's talking about, where the center is an extension of the quarterback. He is the leader of the offensive line within the, the, the leadership group of the offense. I mean, that's really that battery right there between the center and the quarterback. Different teams will handle it different ways. Often you'll see if a rookie comes in at center with a more experienced quarterback, the quarterback might handle all of the calls, right? They might still be identifying the mic, doing things like that, setting the blocking schemes, the protections, while the center will just be responsible for making sure everybody gets everything communicated up front. Sometimes you'll see teams come in where right away, rookie year, they're coming right in. I think you might see this with Creed Humphrey. I, I haven't, I'd have to check in to see with the, with the beat writers what, what they're saying. Sometimes you'll see guys come right in and start making those calls. And yes, the quarterback can always overrule. Those guys will come in and start doing that. So you look for the communication, you look for the intelligence and the leadership. The other thing that you take note of is if you're playing against even fronts, right? So if you're playing against fronts that are playing a 4-3, basically, or, or some version of a four-man defensive line, oftentimes the center is going to be clean, right? He's going to be, there's nobody over him. So in terms of pass protection, he can often be the extra tack-on guy, right? He can be the blitz pickup. He can be a part of a double team on one of these defensive tackles. 
Whereas if you're going up against an odd front team, usually the center is going to be covered by that nose tackle. And a lot of times that can be overwhelming for a young center. A lot of guys come into the league and they're not as strong as they're going to be a few years later. And those nose tackles that you see playing, those guys tend to be just absolute bulls on the defensive side. So if you have one of those guys that's a real problem for a center in an odd scheme, that's one thing that I would say keep an eye out for. If you see somebody lined up over the center and all of a sudden they're on roller skates going backwards into the quarterback, that's something where where you need to be on alert. Not saying we need to worry about that uh, for either of these guys coming in this year. I think we both think feel pretty high, think pretty highly of them in terms of their abilities. And I think that's the reason why they're getting starts at center in their first possible game of their NFL career. Good discussion. So now the number one quarterback and Packers Saints, Aaron Rodgers is mad. We know that. We don't think that's going to impact his performance, but it's the same, same thing here. What should why is we he watch? mad? Wait, why is he mad? The Jeopardy position's back open. I thought he'd be happy. Sorry <laughs> well, he can, he can walk away right now if he wants, if, if he wants to walk away right now and then, Transfer that anger to uh, to Green Bay. Uh, he's welcome to do that. They're without their left tackle. They're all pro David Bakhtiari. They're with a rookie center as well. What are the things to watch for Rodgers and the Packers this year? Yeah, with Elton Jenkins, I, whenever you're talking about him moving positions, he's moving over that left tackle position. He's one of those guys, he's already played every single offensive line position in his career. Um, I'm not worried about him moving over to left tackle. Honestly, for me, that move to left tackle, that's just another day at the office for him. He's comfortable playing every position, and, and I'm fine putting him anywhere along the offensive line. So we, we just talked about Creed Humphrey being the Chiefs you know, center, the top center in our, our draft class this last year. Josh Myers was number two. He, it looks like he's going to be starting for the Packers uh, you know, at center. For them, he was rated as a starting level, uh, strong starting level player for us. The number two center plays with good awareness, athleticism, flexibility, good run block- blocker, but better pass blocker. So whenever you're looking at him in the middle, I think you know him and, and Rodgers are going to mesh pretty quickly. He's going to be good for what the Packers are wanting to do uh, offensively. And then whenever you get to like Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb, he's back in Green Bay. I don't think he's going to put up the numbers that he did whenever he was in Green Bay a few years ago. But I think him and Rodgers aren't going to miss a beat. Amari Rodgers is a guy who's going to come in and make uh, big time plays. Our 12th winged receiver uh, this last year uh, in the handbook as well, put up over a thousand yards for Clemson coming out of the slot. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be effective for him. And then, you know, we haven't even said uh, anything about Devonte Adams as well. So I think that offense is going to be just fine. You know, even with Rodgers being mad. I mean, he got mad enough that he got himself a, a Randall Cobb, which I think will help uh, alleviate some of his, some of his pain there. Not that I think that Randall Cobb's still a, a special player by any means in the NFL, but I think back to when I was in New Orleans with Drew Brees and having Lance Moore, uh, Lance Moore was a guy that I don't know how much value he would have had to any other team in the league at the, you know, especially as uh, later in his career, but he was always just such a safety valve for Drew Brees. They had such a great understanding of each other about how they were going to play against different leverages about what sort of adjustments they were going to make. I think it'll come back just like riding a bike. I think you add that to Devonte Adams and some of the younger receivers that they've had there that now you're starting to see they're get their They've had a few years in the league now to, to really get up to speed with all the complexities of what Aaron Rodgers likes to do. I think that they're going to be really good. I think that for all of these reasons, I'm not, I'm not worried about Jenkins moving out to left tackle. Like Nate said, Hey, David Bakhtiari is awesome. He's an awesome player. And I also think you have a little bit of a downgrade where Jenkins is probably a better left guard than he's going to be a left tackle. I would expect that, even though I do feel fine about him, him moving out there, like Nate said. In general, you've got Rodgers running this offense. He's, 
one of the best that's ever done it. He's still playing at an extremely high level. I have no concerns about the Packers offensively. All right. So in a sentence, give me your take on the quarterback on the opposite side, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston could be the Tom Brady from 2020 that we see in 2021 because his style meshing with Sean Payton's style might be exactly what he needed at this point in his career. A lot of commas in there. Coop, what do you got? Yeah, that's that's tough to beat. I, I may go a little longer than one sentence, but not not too long. I, he's one of a handful of quarterbacks. You know that five thousand yard season. Alex mentioned it on the on the show last week. He's a guy that he he brings with him a lot of you know risk taking, but and, and, you know some of that decision making uh, as well. The thirty interceptions, but he has some weapons out there. He's a guy that that knows how to play the game, been around the game. I think he's going to be just fine. All right, we- honestly, the weapons are the question mark for me, right? Michael Thomas out. Alvin Kamara certainly is going to be everything in terms of their offense. But like, I don't, you know, is Callaway going to be that guy that people think he's going to be based on the preseason? That, that to me is kind of the interesting part. But I, I mean, I think he's not going to be allowed to throw 30. He's not going to be allowed to throw 20 interceptions. But I do think as long as they can keep pushing it a little, he's naturally going to push it down the field. I like it. I'm, I'm saying, I said it in my sentence before. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with my guns. Are they a playoff team? Yes, I do think that the Saints are a playoff team. I, I, I got to count to make sure I don't have too many in each conference. But yeah, I, I like the Saints to make the playoffs. <laughs> and are the Packers a conference championship game team? They were last year, and I, and I have no reason to believe that they wouldn't be right on that doorstep again. Both those teams are in the mix. The Bucks are in the mix. I, I think the Cowboys should be in the mix, the way we were talking about it. Who are we leaving out if we're, if we're kind of rattling them off? The Rams, of course. The Rams should be a really strong team as well. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting, uh, those five teams right there, I think are, are all vying for those two spots. And, and it's hard to go against uh, Rodgers and, and the Packers. That, that team is going to be really good. And like we talked about with Brady, it's, it's hard to, to discount uh, and count out uh, Rodgers at any point. A team you didn't say was the Seahawks, and that's on to our number four quarterback, Russell Wilson. Russ has a new offensive coordinator this season. Shane Waldron was the passing game coordinator for the Rams. He was there four years. He was there with teams that could pass. He was there with teams that could run. Matt, how will the Seahawks play under the Waldron-Wilson combination, and what can we look for them from them in week one? In week one, I don't know what we can expect right away. I think there might be a little bit of a learning curve here. I also think they have a tough matchup in week one going against the Colts. So, you know, the Colts are very strong defensively in a lot of ways. So that's not, not exactly an ideal first matchup. But I think really, if you're bringing together anything like what we saw the Rams do with Sean McVay in terms of marrying the play action passing game with the zone run schemes, really having a complementary attack, but a complementary attack that's aggressive, that's really trying to stress the defense and put points on the board. I think that's going to be music to Russ's ears. I think that they've done this weird thing in the past where they're too conservative, even though he's such a good player, obviously right? Our number four quarterback on our list. And then when they've been aggressive with him, it's like they've done it in a haphazard way where I don't think it's been fully thought out. I don't think they've built out the offensive line properly and had, and had the proper protections to really get stuff done. To some degree, and we've seen this in the statistics year over year, Russell Wilson is going to get pressured. He's a, the type of quarterback that he is. He's going to hold on to the ball. And so he's going to get himself into those situations. I don't think we should expect that to disappear. The vision is combining the on-schedule with the off-schedule, the on-schedule of all the planned stuff that that McVay offense does that hopefully Waldron's bringing in there, along with what Wilson can do off-script, which is just second to none that we've seen pretty much in the history of the league in terms of that sort of thing. 
So I think it could come together really well. I think it might take some time. Yeah, I agree. I think you hit it on the head with the, the improv skills that Russell Wilson has, I think is the biggest thing. It might take a, a couple of weeks to, for everything to get down there and, and come to, to come to form. But Russ's improv skills are probably one of the best in, in, in the league. And the fact that he can run, he can make things happen outside the pocket, in the pocket. He has a big play threat in DK Metcalf now, who's really come into his own. Tyler Lockett's still a playmaker on his own, right? Dwayne Eskridge, uh, a guy who was a second round pick this last year, Loved him coming out of Western Michigan. And I think putting him in the slot, assuming he can stay healthy, had a, had a few injury concerns during the preseason. But other than the speed and the playmaking ability, he has a refined ability to beat press coverage. And not a lot of receivers have that coming out of college. Played up, uh, went up against press, uh, press coverage a lot in college. Knows how to beat it, knows how to get around it. And I think that's going to be something that's really going to help him in Seattle. So you see him, Nate, you see him as moving inside to be the slot guy as opposed to doing it with Lockett, something like that. Yeah, I think Lockett's probably the outside guy. Uh, an interesting thing with Eskridge, I just worry about his size. I, with him being able to go up against press coverage, I think he could play a little outside, but those bigger corners I think are going to be too physical for him. So if you put him in the inside, I think he's going to be able to do a lot from that, that spot. To your point, regardless, I think you'll see a lot of nasty splits on both sides. Think about what the Rams like to do. If you're looking for the similarities, Mark, to your question, if you're looking at the similarities between what we saw the Rams do and what we can expect from the Seahawks, Watch the way that they take advantage of the area of the field down the hashes. They're going right up the middle of the field with a lot of these routes. So when we talk about a nasty split from a wide receiver, that means maybe you're not the slot per se, but you're in a tighter split to the offensive formation than you would be otherwise. Think about, you know, Cooper Cup and what he's asked to do in a blocker there, you know, all those times. That's not exactly, you know, what one of those two guys is going to be doing based on their stature. But if you think about what you can do kind of taking advantage of that area of the field in the middle where it's easier to complete passes. You get a higher yards per attempt uh, in that area. It's just an easier part of the field to make completions. Look for the ramps to take advantage of that and then look up, look for the way that, again, that marries in with the running game. Because I think that's a real key thing that as we see the Rams offense evolve, I think, excuse me, as we see the Seahawks offense evolve, I think we're going to see an offensive line that can play better because they're schemed to play better. All right, so number five in our rankings is Josh Allen. This means Bill Steelers. And a lot of MVP money coming in on Josh Allen lately. I've seen that in some of the headlines on Twitter the last 24 hours or so. His completion percentage jumped 10 points in 2020, touchdown to interception 4-1. to one. Was 2021 Josh Allen the real Josh Allen to the point where he, we can talk about him approaching top-tier status? Coop, start us off. It's going to be hard for him to top what he did last year. What he's done the last three seasons, you know, improving has been amazing to see. And it's very rare to see something like that. He has a lot of talent around him. I think that's going to help him. For me, he, I just need him to be consistent. If he puts up the 65 to 70% completion rate, the 4,500 yards, 35 touchdowns, 10 or fewer interceptions, something similar to what he did last year, um, that, that's a very good season. For me, I need to see that this year and probably again next year to say that he's going to go up in that top tier status. I need to see it and, and you know over multiple years to to say that he's going to be that player because there's a lot of questions still uh even you know having that great season the two seasons before were very subpar. I like the the growth that he's done and, and I just want to see more of it uh more consistency at being a a top tier player before putting him uh in that status. Yeah, I'm I'm right in the same uh the same boat there. I think that he is he clearly had a great season last year. He proved a lot of doubters wrong. When you go back and you look at when he was coming out, it wasn't that we thought that this was a guy that couldn't play at all. You know, if you go back and, and look into the reports, 
what it was was that if it was going to be good, it was going to be a Cam Newton style. And for some reason, people seemed to have a hard time understanding what what Josh Allen's style was going to be as a quarterback. He's got to be a runner to be effective, and he will be a runner that is effective. I think that's you know what's nice about having a big running quarterback is that you can really count on that to be part of your game. The consistency with you know in terms of completion percentage, I hate raw completion percentage because it doesn't tell you much. But it's not like he was throwing all dink and dunk. He was getting the ball down the field. Stephon Diggs absolutely transformed their offense. They went from having just two and a three receiver the previous year to having a true number one. And then they added Gabriel Davis as their four, who was outstanding as a four. He should have a little bit of a larger role this year, depending on how they deploy things. But as much as I like this franchise, I love the way that they're run from a coaching perspective, from a personnel perspective. There's some really smart people there. I have a hard time thinking that Josh Allen is going to be the Josh Allen of 2020. I think that was the the upper bar of what you could expect from him and regression to the mean is not a foreign concept to you know this this podcast and and I think that we have to expect to take a step back as far as that goes well, the league solves guys right some in some cases I don't know I don't know I don't know how true that is that the league solves guys like we've you know we've seen Josh Allen play for three years already it's not like stylistically he became a different person last year certainly when you see somebody have success you deploy new concepts I think every year across the board, defenses are always reacting to what the what offenses did the previous year, but then offenses are always cooking up new stuff that they're going to use to create new advantages. Well, couldn't the, the solving just be the, the pounding that he takes? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, if he if he starts to really endanger his body, I mean, we've seen the way that it's gone with Cam Newton. Obviously, he had plenty of good seasons there, um, but I think that that could be a guide. Like, if we look back and we want to look at what can we expect from Josh Allen going forward— I think the the best way to do that would probably be to look at similar players and see how they matured, how they performed. So you'd look for bigger quarterbacks with some running in their game. Not a lot of history of that in the NFL, but there's more and more that we see come out right now. But as you get this sort of archetype of player, we'll we'll start to see more and more what we can expect in terms of can we see can we expect to see not just completion percentage jumps, but completion percentage above expectation jumps the way we did with Josh Allen. So last up on our quarterback list, Derek Carr. Now, this is a little bit of a puzzler for some people because I'm guessing that people aren't going to agree that Derek Carr is the number six, number seven quarterback in the NFL. So heading into this season and this game, where does he belong on an NFL quarterback ranking? And for that matter, where does Lamar Jackson belong? Matt? For me, I can't argue with the numbers. I really can't. When we talk about things from a purely scouting perspective, there are concerns that I have about Derek Carr. Some of them are probably fair. Some of them are probably riddled with some bias from what I've thought of him from when he was coming out of school. Heck, I'm probably even poisoned by David Carr in terms of the way that I think about him. There's a part of me that thinks that there's a toughness issue that, that when it comes with Derek Carr, which is really unfair for me to say from my desk chair uh, while he's up out there getting pounded on NFL football fields all the time. If I had to have one thing that it's like, uh, is this guy somebody that can be a true leader? in the way that you really desire your NFL quarterback to be your CEO, your leader, the toughest guy, the hardest worker, all of those things. There's part of me that still has questions about those things, but I keep coming back to, you know, like total points isn't like some little thing where like we just have dudes like randomly checking boxes and figuring out how good somebody is. We're charting thousands of data points for every game. I mean, for, on an individual play, there are dozens, hundreds of data points, literally, We've gotten a pretty good understanding of who Derek Carr is, and he's somebody that 
at times in his career hasn't pushed the ball down the field. That's been a legitimate complaint that you hear, especially from the fantasy community, because that's going to be important to people that care about fantasy. In terms of his actual performance, he's been really good in terms of total points, IQR. He has the ability to complete the ball down the field when he tries it. It's not like it's, it's, he doesn't have the arm strength. He's got arm strength all day. You look at the metrics, and then you come back to the, to the scouting traits. He's an accurate quarterback. He's accurate short. He's accurate deep. There are lots of things to like about Derek Carr. I don't think he's a top five guy. He's never going to be, you know, we always talk about the tiers. Is he somebody you win because of? I don't think he's win because of, but I think he's clearly in the win with category. So he's in that number six to number 15 quarterback range and probably in the number six to number 10 range, maybe somewhere in between there. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd have to actually, you know, make my own individual list, but I'm not surprised that total points has him so high because he's been good and he's been consistent. And as much as we want to keep questioning him and finding reasons to doubt him, and as soon as I say this, he'll probably fall off a cliff, I, th- I think that the, the proof is in the pudding. And I, I, th- I think he's a win-with quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, with Carr, you know, first off, I have a, I have a quick story of, of mine about Derek Carr. Uh, when I was working with the UNLV football team back in 2013, we made a trip out to Fresno. Fresno State was ranked like 17th at the time. Uh, I remember standing behind Derek Carr on the field during pregame warmups and, and just hearing the ball whistle every time he threw it. And, you know, plenty of guys have, have the arm talent, but he was just different. You could tell it was just different. Um, and then he proceeded to go out, throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns against us, you know, 200, 200 of those yards uh, and all four touchdowns going to Devonte Adams, who we talked about earlier. So my point being here, like he's, he's just a different, you know, different animal. Um, somebody that I knew could play in this league, he can make all the throws, puts the ball where it needs to be. Like you said, Matt, the big thing for me, he just needs to be more aggressive. I think he needs to start pushing the ball down the field a little bit more, taking a few more of those chances. And I think things will start to come for him. Obviously, you know, our metrics are, are very high on him because, you know, he is an accurate passer. He does do a lot of good things. Uh, he just doesn't push the ball down the field as much. And I think that is why a lot of people are a little bit more down on him than, you know, a lot of, a lot of stats that companies like us are. So I, I think Derek Carr is, is definitely a guy, like what Matt said, that 6 to 10 range I think is, is perfect for where he fits. Now, is he above Lamar? Maybe not. I, th- I think Lamar does need to have a good start to the season. And, and if he does, I think he's going to be back in the top 10 pretty quickly. They still have plenty of weapons, but I am interested to see a little bit how they operate without J.K. Dobbins. They don't have Rashad Bateman, their first round pick yet. So you're going to have guys like Sammy Watkins, Marquise Brown on the outsides, which again, very good weapons. Uh, Mark Andrews, they just paid him. So I think he's going to be just fine. But I think whenever Bateman gets out there, that's going to add a little extra layer as well. Biggest lesson from the show. Derek Carr's pretty good. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll play a little scouts and stats. The SIS Data Hub Pro is the premier football data tool and your ticket to the winner's circle for your fantasy season or to win your bets this year. You can celebrate the new football season with 20% off by signing up with the promo code KICKOFF at pro.sisdatahub.com. A subscription to the SIS Data Hub Pro gets you our new Tendency Reports tool. You can explore team tendencies with a set of in-depth tools and filters. It includes offense and defense. You can exclude garbage time. You can filter by field position, down and distance, and more. And data goes back to 2018. You definitely want to check that out on the Data Hub Pro. Sign up at pro.sisdatahub.com to receive a free seven-day trial. Again, new users get 20% off their first monthly or annual subscription, and you can take advantage of the offer by visiting the pricing page, entering the coupon code KICKOFF, 
and this applies to any subscription for NFL, college football, or both. Sign up now. This offer ends on September 13th. You'll want to check it out at pro.sisdatahub.com. So to close the show, I want to borrow off what we did last week. Maybe this becomes a thing. Let's try it. A minute for scouting, a minute for stats. Two questions, equal time to both. Question one, which player is going to surprise us most with his performance this week? Nate, give us the scout's take. I'm going to go with Kyler Murray from the Cardinals. I might be a little biased because I just drafted him in both my fantasy leagues last night, but the Cardinals going into Tennessee, they're facing the Titans. Titans have a good defense. Obviously, don't have too many issues there, but I think they still have questions at corner. Christian Fulton's out there at corner now. I think he's going to be good, but this is his second year. We still have things to figure out on that front. Um, Janoris Jenkins on the other side. I, I think there's definitely some spots there where he can e- exploit a little bit. Arizona now has Chase Edmonds starting at running back, who I think is a pretty solid dual threat player, can run the ball, can catch, can even you know block in, in, in pass pro as well. And you look at the receiving core, DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green on the outside, Christian Kirk, and now Rondale Moore on the inside. That's a pretty pretty good receiving core. And and I just think there's so many weapons for Arizona. You factor in Kyler's running ability. I think it's going to be tough for him not to put up points in Arizona. And, and even it, it is a, uh, you know, a tough, um, you know, a tough division. It's going to be pretty good for Kyler, especially this weekend. Matt stats. Well, I'll start on that one. The stats say that Tennessee's defense is trash. And <laughs> I, if they don't put up 30 against them, then I have big concerns about Arizona. But my guy, by by the stats, is Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, everybody's sleeping on right now because he's had the drops in the preseason. Let's remember, this is not real football. Last time he plays games that counted, his quarterback was Joe Burrow, and he had the best receiving season in the SIS era of college football. The third best season of the era was his former teammate, Justin Jefferson, who did just fine in the NFL as a rookie last year. Jamar Chase had a better season than him, him at LSU. Of the top 10 yards per outrun seasons in the SIS database, Chase was tied for the second lowest drop rate at 5.8%. It's not no drops. It's not even a great drop rate, but it's not bad. And when you're getting that kind of a volume, it's it's certainly a reasonable rate. He was over 14 yards per target. I don't think he forgot how to catch. I think that we're all going to remember that he's a pretty good football player. Just beat the buzzer. All right. Second question of two. Which team is going to surprise us the most with their performance this week? Matt, give us the stat take. Well, I don't know if there's a consensus on what to expect, but given that the Colts are home dogs in their opener against the Seahawks, I say watch out for that one. People forget about how good their defense is. And then despite the loss of T.Y. Hilton and Wentz's preseason injury, lots of reasons to kind of be down on the Colts emotionally right now. Not so different from Jamar Chase. But I think it's, under, it's foolish to underestimate Frank Reich's ability to put together an offense. They were 10th in the NFL in pass defense points saved, 11th in the NFL in run defense points saved last year. So that's going to be really tough for a new offensive coordinator in Seattle, as we discussed before. And people like to talk about the near MVP last time Wentz and Reich were together. Wentz was actually only ninth in passing points earned per play. So I'm not saying he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He'll get intercepted and sacked some just like he did in 2018. But I think that the boom to bust ratio last year, it was awful. 17% boom, 22% bust really, really bad. You don't want to be negative there. It was 24 to 15 in 2018. I think if he can get closer to that, lots of 12 personnel by the Colts this year. I like their, I like their chances to win a very weak division in the AFC South. All right, Nate. 
Yeah, we've been a little down on the Washington football team over the last couple of weeks, but I, I, I think I like them a little bit this weekend. They play a tough Chargers team, but Washington's at home. That means LA has to travel all the way across the country. Historically, teams having to travel all the way across the, you know, all three time zones don't fare very well. Second year quarterback, Justin Herbert, I think is going to get a good test this week. I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure. Washington's front seven, we've talked about them a lot. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, incredibly quick off the ball. A lot of different moves to get to the quarterback. You have a first-round rookie left tackle in Rashawn Slater out there in, in LA. I think he's going to have a tough test, you know, to start out his NFL career. Maybe the the you know Washington doesn't win this game, but I think they're going to put out a pretty good showing. And, and Herbert may have a tough time a little bit this weekend. I love that call out, Nate. I think right, like you might like Washington over the Chargers this week, and then over the long haul of the season, you might flip that on its head. That gives us a lot to think about, in particular Kyler Murray, Colts. Uh, keep an eye on both of those and Derek Carr. This wraps up the Off the Charts Football Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Matt at Matt Mano, M-A-N-O, Coop at NCoop Draft, and our company at SportsInfo underscore SIS. Go to the Sports Info Solutions blog. We've got an article looking at the number one quarterback in the world, where we've got all our quarterback rankings. We've got quarterback props up on uh, Sharp Football as well. For Matt Manicharian, Nathan Cooper, and our producer, Justin Stein, I'm Mark Simon. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay well.